Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are my pals, Vince and Zach. We're going to talk about the comics released on the 12th of January. Right? January, Jesus Christ. 12th of June, uh, 2019. But first, we got so much news to talk about. Like, insane amounts of news. The solicits hit this week. And I feel like for the last few months, there hasn't been anything to talk about with solicits like a couple of little things here and there a new book now and then but by my count we have one two three four five six seven eight nine we have ten different things we have to talk about from these solicits alone uh which is crazy zach you said this felt like san diego right yeah it did it felt like there was a con or something that didn't happen i wonder do we know when the next doomsday clock comes out yeah, it's like August, I think. That should be number 11, right? Yeah, I'm double-checking, but I yeah, think it's August. It's August 14th. What I was going to say is yeah. I wonder if they were waiting for uh, Doomsday Clock to hit before they did some of this stuff, like the JSA stuff. You know, like, Yeah. Uh, if, if a lot of this was just held back until they could announce more of this stuff. I don't know. But yeah, it did definitely feel like a, uh, a con week and... We got lots of fun, good stuff to talk about. So let's dig right in with the biggest news, which is the Legion of Superheroes is back. It is undoubtedly good again. Being launched uh, by Brian Bendis and Ryan Sook after a two issue series called Millennium, Legion Legion of Superheroes Millennium, um, which sounds bonkers. Let me just read the the solicit here. So, not solicit, just sort of skim this article about it. So there's a character that they're not revealing yet, a female character that is a newly uh, immortal character that is going Ginny to... Ginny Hex. It's probably Ginny Hex that is going to sort of go through the next thousand years of DC Comics in one fell swoop leading up to the Legion. But listen to the creators that Bendis is working with to get there. So we're going to see a Supergirl story drawn by Jim Lee, which is in the near future. Batman Beyond by Dustin Wynn, Commandy by Andrea Sorrentino, which is such an Italian chef kiss emoji uh, <laughs> move there. Tommy Tomorrow, drawn by Andre Lima Araujo. Araujo. Um, Legion of Superheroes number two, sorry, Millennium number two, sees Booster Gold by Nicola Scott, OMAC by Jim Chung, which is another really nice one, uh, a DC quote off-world chapter by Jeff DeCall, and then Legion of Superheroes by Suck. Boys, goddamn! <laughs> it's on. Un- that's unreal. <laughs> I mean, that lineup alone. I mean, obviously, it's not. That's not going to be what the ongoing looks like. That's just that's the you know the two issue mini, but just getting a non Jurgens Batman Beyond story. Should also be cause for celebration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. Which of those, especially by Dustin with Dustin Winart, that's just the best. Yeah. So which of those has you guys most jazzed? Probably that one. Um, I don't. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe that one. Um, I actually really really like. Um, Andre Lima's art a ton, and I'm glad that he's on 
doing a DC book, but I don't. I'm not familiar with Tommy Tomorrow at all. Tommy Tomorrow, I looked it up, is because it's a character that I didn't initially like. I knew the name, but I couldn't think of it. It was like a late '50s, early '60s joint that was essentially not quite Legion, not quite Commandy, but like that sort of distant future story. He's he's been in the um, Adventures of the Super Sons book. If if you've been reading that, uh, I am you, behind on that. Yeah, yeah, he's been in like the last three issues or something like that. Okay, he's kind of fun. He's kind of like a Han Solo ish dickhead in in that book. Okay, it's kind of fun. I can dig that. Um, yeah, no, this is just the best though. Like, if I can't get Hickman Legion, <laughs> it sounds like this is the best alternative. Yeah, yeah, I think either the Booster Gold by Nicola Scott mm. or the mm-hmm. uh, Commandy, that one is really good. Yeah. Or Commandy by Sorrentino. Who did the Tom King Commandy Challenge issue? Is that Kevin Eastman? Yes, yes, because that was amazing, and uh, I feel like Sorrentino could pull off a similar vibe to that, but with a better written story. Yeah. I love everything about this. I love that it's trying to connect all these disparate future timelines. I love that it's using the, as minor as this is, it's using the millennium name, which does have a DC, Yep. you know, the, the DC millennium event. Uh, I love the sort of, um, sort of anthology book f- approach to telling this story. Uh, I, I wish you know, I think we've talked about this a little bit with the holiday, with like the quarterly holiday uh, books that they put out. But mm-hmm. I kind of wish they used an anthology format for actual in-universe storytelling a little more often. Because I think not only do you get top artistic talent to do a shorter, shorter form kind of story, but you can tell a lot more different disparate stories with different characters that don't get used a whole lot but still have them be in continuity somehow using a format like this. And I think, I think the approach to bringing back Legion and exploring the, the future of the DCU through this lens is kind of a brilliant idea. Yeah. I, I have, a, I have an interesting question about sort of the idea of continuity with all of this, which is, is Bendis, do you get the impression he's doing a new Legion origin here? I I kind of do get the impression that this is... If not... I don't think it's... I think it is going to be like Ultimate Legion, if that makes <laughs> sense. Um, because I get the impression that it's going to very closely to the classic Legion incarnation in terms of references to things, you know, story beats and things like that. Um, like, I'm sure we'll get some kind of homage to the, like, uh, Superboy induction, um, you know, the, the first Legion appearance. In fact, I actually saw somebody speculating that the reason that Bendis aged up john is because they want him he wants him to play a role in super and legion i mean oh that's um, good 
in in that kind of Superboy Superman role. Do you um, think he's going to be the new immortal character? I don't think so because I think they've said that's a. Female. Oh, you're right. You're right. That is a female. You're right. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, but I do think that he is going to be in Legion. I I think that this is though kind of going to be another reboot. Which I'm kind of okay with. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I, I'm generally reboot-averse in this way. I feel like Legion, part of the Legion thing is getting rebooted every couple of years. Or every mm-hmm. decade or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. And especially since, like, the last major Legion push that we had was John's returning to the original classic Legion. So that was kind of a, a deboot, really. Well, uh, uh, there was that New 52 Legion origin book. That was still well. So the but that was like a six issue thing written by Levitz, and Levitz was also writing the main Legion book that was essentially a continuation of the pre Flashpoint book. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince, you okay with the reboot here? Yeah. Yep. And if you read Bendis's interview, he basically does say that um, you know this is. This is a new legion for the new DC universe, which is, you know, the the just the idea that even in the post rebirth era, we're still technically in the new fifty two. They're just they're just saying everything fits, you know. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah, I'm totally behind this. I think the character designs from Sook look great. Some of the hair is a little questionable, but like, I'm not <laughs> yeah. I'm not somebody who's gonna get mad about that, you know. It's, uh, who knows what our hairstyles will be in the future? I just hope we have hair. That's in a good the year point. 3000. That's a good point. Um, I am refraining from making a reference to the inferior Conan O'Brien Tonight Show in the year 3000 thing he did. I will only remember his in the year 2000. <laughs> Because the whole joke of it in the year 2000 was it was either like a year away or three years earlier, which was the funny part. When you actually said it a thousand years in the future, it's not funny. No, yeah, of course not. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm all for this. I think this is going to be amazing. Uh, you know, we have a multiversity comic slack that neither of these gentlemen have chosen to be a part of. All been I it. have asked you, and you it was it was in reason... the last it was in the last staff email. If you want in, email me. Let me know. You don't read my emails. I sent to the staff, I guess. But anyway, uh, we were uh, we were saying we're basically having the eternal debate in there, which is Matt Malikoff defends Tom King, and the rest of us get mad at him. Okay, um, I don't want to be in this. <laughs> I do want to. I want to be in this. Um, I don't. How do I just? How do I slack? I, we'll talk I've about this off air. Before that was off air. But anyway, and I was saying how like if you had told me in 2015. That I'd be ride or die with Bendis and we'd be saying fuck Tom King every chance I get. I'd have never believed that, you know, but that's that's where we are. That's what comics did to us. <laughs> yep. Um but yeah, this is good. I can't wait to dig into this more. Um so I, I guess the Millennium thing is happening in uh September and October, and then November we'll see the official like start of the new the new series um can't wait gonna be dope Let's um do this. yeah one one small thing just to cap this off i saw somebody comparing this to the man of steel miniseries um in that it 
leads into the new book and features a lot of different artists and it's it's doing a different thing but i do think it's interesting that bendis has kind of used this approach twice now mm-hmm. it's a smart approach yeah um and also apparently legion is going to appear first in superman um yes. like issue 14 or 15 so that's coming up really soon i believe it's the august issue they're going to show up in if i'm not mistaken uh, i think back, you're right baby. yeah yeah, it's number 14. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I consider us pretty lucky that we get this configuration of Legion of Superheroes and a Hickman X-Men, which wouldn't be possible if Hickman were doing the, <laughs> That's true. the Legion. So. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. Best yeah. of all worlds. Absolutely not. But Not, that's no, okay. Don't if, if you don't look outside your window. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or online. Or online. I was just gonna say if you, if you don't if you log off the internet completely, maybe. <laughs> um, so uh, we gotta talk about these these two books that are spinning out of Heroes in Crisis. Some might call it Heroes in Diapers. We'll see. Um, some some have said. Yeah, some have said. <laughs> who would ever call? <laughs> I, I don't know. A, a, a god among insects. That's who. <laughs> Um, so first up, we get flash forward number one, which is the groaniest groan that ever groaned, uh, Wally West book written by Scott Lobdell, illustrated by Brett Booth. I will say this. I will say three things. Uh, thing, <laughs> thing number one is, um, is that I'm glad that they're not just letting Wally sit around for a while and then he'll come back and have to rehash all the stuff that is sort of fresh in our minds now, but won't be a year from now. Does that make sense? Like, sure. I, I hope we're not going to get a retelling of as much stuff because it's happening right now. So that's, I can agree with that. That's good. Uh, number two, if this is Red Hood Scott Lopdell, I am considerably more okay with that than if this is every other Scott Lobdell. But I will also say the presence of Brett Booth will make this book borderline unreadable, even in its best state. That's what I was going to say, is that I don't think that you can have current Red Hood Scott Lobdell with Brett Booth art. I think the two are incompatible. Vince, you've, you've wanted to interrupt me twice already, so tell me what you think about this. What you, no, I was just groaning. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, me, I'm just messing with you. Go for it. Uh, I think if if we get Red Hood and the Outlaws, Scott Lobdell, that's fine. If we get Red Hood Outlaw, Scott Lobdell, which is a more recent configuration of Lobdell, uh, it's going to be awful. Um, I this is like, I feel so bad for Wally fans. Like me, thanks. Yeah, like I, I'm a fan of Wally, but I'm not like a Wally fan. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's not on and, your DC Mount Rushmore. Right. Right. Oh, that's something it's, we should do one day. Oh, we should. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. gonna be good gold. Good gold content there. Yeah, we got. Yeah, we. I'm about to do some thinking about that. So yeah. future show. Um, I have mine already in my head. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, but yeah, this is this is um possibly the worst, you know, not having read the book yet or anything, 
probably the worst outcome I could imagine for Wally West <laughs> happened over the last couple months here. <laughs> he could he should just be dead again. <laughs> Why not? Oh. I mean the the best thing is that whether or not this is bad or okay, it's only six issues. Yes. Um, so then does he get put on Suicide Squad? Probably. Well, did, no. did you guys see what Uncle Rich had to say about that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he's right about that. I hope that's no longer a thing. Uh, because that was garbage. That was a garbage idea. Um, you know, I... I don't know... I guess the, other thing, the last thing I want to say about this, and then we can move on if you guys want to, because I know that I'm, I'm the Wally, uh, obsessy in the bunch. I can talk about this all day, but I think there's a distinct difference if this is supposed to be closing up Wally's story or starting a new chapter of Wally's story. Like, is this supposed to be what gives closure? to what we saw in Heroes in Crisis to move him on to the next thing. And when he comes out of this, he's a character with more going on than just the guy who was responsible for Heroes in Crisis. Or is this supposed to, like, basically put Wally on the shelf? Like, you know, I had said before, it's good that it wasn't putting him on the shelf for a while. Is this going to be what's going to happen? And then they're going to put him on the shelf for a while. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that this is them shelving him, I, but that's me being optimistic. I think that this is a pivot thing. And I think that's why it's six issues. Maybe we'll see. I, I just hope like one of the things that I was really hopeful about in rebirth with Wally in particular, but just overall with rebirth was the idea of things that were lost coming back. And Wally was sort of the avatar of that, but what Wally always wanted was for his family to come back. And I always felt that was really potent storytelling. And from the solicit that I that you read here, it sort of gives you the impression they're never going to bring his family back. And that, to me, goes against the sort of general ethos of what Rebirth was supposed to do. Yeah. And that's a bummer. Wally's character is now defined by, hey, he's the guy who lost his family. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And that that's his, like, that's his quote-unquote origin story now. It's it, Or at least that's what they're going to try to, every time we see Wally, they're going to bring that fact up, you know? Yes, yeah. Um, I kind of thought, that eventually he would get folded back into what Williamson is doing in the flash ongoing. And now because of this book and because of the solicit, I still don't think it means he's going to get put on the shelf, but I feel less. I thought Williamson was going to be the one to resolve all that stuff with him eventually. Yeah. And now I don't think that that's going to happen. I mean, I, I guess if Williamson is really going to hit a hundred issues, when would that be? So the the, the um, word is that the books are that everything's going monthly as of January. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, 
this month bring so September will have hang on September is 78 and 79. Okay, so then no October 80 81, November 82 83, 845. So then Williamson will be on the book for over a year after that. So this should wrap up in like March or April and then Williamson could still wrap up that story in his last year on the book. Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed if this is just stalling to let Williamson do what he needs to do before getting to that, I'm okay with that because, as we know, Williamson on the Flash has been just such a good thing, and he's he's tended to nail a lot of this stuff. Um, yeah, I, maybe it is just stalling because, you know, there was the early stuff with Jay Garrick or like the hint at Jay Garrick early on, and and there's been nothing since. Mm-hmm. But you Which- get. You got the impression that there were going to be plans somewhere down the road for for basically the entire Flash family, right? What I were you going to say, so. Zach? Yeah, well, I I think so too. Yeah, and I was I was just saying that now that which we'll get to this in a minute with the JSA stuff, but he is going to be on the table in a similar time frame to Wally. Mm-hmm. And oh, it that's does, really interesting, yeah. It does fall into a really interesting time, too, with, like you said, in Williamson's run, that'll be around when he has a, uh, around about a year of the book left to get to 100. I could see, like, having a really, really big Flash family storyline leading up to 100. Or I could even, I could even see possibly... I, I don't mean this at all in terms of content, but I could see there being a Flash family-led Blackest Night-like thing where it's the big event mm-hmm. for, like, the summer of 2021. Yeah, Ooh. I could see that, too, You know, like, honestly. letting Williamson do his 100 issues that lead into this logical sort of big story. That would, that would be cool. Um, and letting that be his kind of, like, cap on Flash. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that the other day, how much better regarded in the long term Johns's Green Lantern would have been if Blackest Night was the end of it. Oh yeah. It would have been a lot better regarded, I think. You know, and you would you would have lost some stuff like Simon Baz and uh Jessica to a certain degree that really came out of Justice League, you know. Um yeah. but it would have been I think it would have been a very different it's sort of a very different legacy for that for that character and and for that run. Yeah, um, that is a huge tangent. I think really the only thing you end up losing is that really good finale issue, but and so and it's like the creation of Simon. Well, are are you hating on our, our Baz boy here? I what is what has Simon done? Uh, he he stole that car that they don't never stop talking about. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um. Uh. <laughs> No, I like Simon and Jessica. I like the idea of Simon and Jessica fine. It's just that no, they have been poorly underutilized. <laughs> yes, agreed with that. Oh, he also had that gun. Sorry. He did have the I gun. That too. All right, let's talk about the other book spinning out of this, which is a uh, a Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy book, which is called, shockingly, isn't it Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy? <laughs> yes, yeah. Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Uh, written by Jody Hauser, illustrated by Adriana Mello. Uh, Adriana Mello, late of um, 
Female Furies. Mm-hmm. Um, another six issue series here. Um, I, I Zach, start talking about this series. <laughs> <laughs> What is there to say? Uh, these are two books that are going to have a nice big like Heroes in Crisis Aftermath banner on them. Um, Poison Ivy is like in a weird green muscle suit thing. <laughs> She's like George Michael wearing it underneath his, uh, <laughs> his regular clothes. I don't know. It ties into Year of the Villain somehow, apparently. Ugh. The good is that it's written by Jody Hauser and illustrated that by Adriana Mello. That's the good. Yeah, that yeah. is the good. Um, so it might be good. It's just, again, coming off of a weird status quo change. This one definitely has the potential to be good compared to the other one. Yes, I think so. And also, the one thing I want to point out about this solicit is that they say it's a journey across the DC universe that will change their friendship forever if they live that long. <laughs> When are we just going to, when is DC just going to like buckle down and admit that those two are fucking? Uh, Somebody called us out on Twitter about that because Multiversity, one of our tweets about the announcement of the series was like, it called them a couple in it. And they were like, um, excuse me, why don't you ask the writer their intent of their couplehood? (laughs) And I just wanted to be like, have you ever read subtext in your life? (laughs) <laughs> come on yeah. also have you been reading like the last two years of harley quinn comics yeah right like and i don't get why i i, I mean i know that it's because in a multimedia okay the reason is in a multimedia format they still need people to think that harley quinn and the joker are a thing like they need the average normie who walks by to think like, oh, Harley, she's the one, she's the Joker's girlfriend, right? <laughs> but like in the actual continuity of the comics, it's so clear they can't say it apparently because they don't because they don't want to ruin the Joker thing. I think I that's I that's agree like, with you. I think that's, that's why that's a charitable. I mean, yeah, um, I think that's I think that's giving DC a little bit of a pass there. But I but I mean clearly. Clearly, I mean, they're a couple. Come on. And and to me, the way around that is just to just call her bisexual, which is what what sort of in continuity. I believe that's that's been more or less agreed upon. Correct. Uh-huh. Like it's it's at least been hinted at. You know that she did have a relationship with the Joker, and that she now has a relationship with Poison Ivy, and that's sure. fine. Just say that. Yeah. Um. And I also think this is a, this. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you, Vince. I think that this is also an opportunity where, like, I I don't think. I think you'd get certain groups up in arms if you came out and said that Superman was now bisexual, because there's this like bullshit of Superman being an American icon, and how dare you sully an American icon? Like Harley oh, Quinn is a is a villain at heart. And like has evolved since then, but it's not going to offend anyone's precious sensibilities to have this long-standing hetero character now suddenly be bisexual. Again, that's all horseshit. I'm not defending those people whatsoever, and that's terrible. But you know what I'm saying. It won't have the same yeah. like media outcry 
I mean, the only thing I disagree with is that Harley Quinn is definitely part of the Trinity now, and we've well, that we've is long, true. We've long established that on the show. Yes, we have. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, and 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 you know, <laughs> I don't know what the intent of the person who tweeted at Multiversity was, but like that, yeah, you're exactly right. There's this group of people that are that are gonna try to be like. No, Harley is Harley's in love with the Joker. She just doesn't realize it because they're like yeah. fucked up in the head or whatever. <laughs> they're they're like, um, it's Gamergate to me, basically. Right, yeah. All that stuff. File it under the same shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm and I'm not even try. I'm not even doing like the fantasy shipping thing because I don't really do that. Like that's not how I enjoy comics or fiction or anything. But it's in the text. Like, good lord, it's. <laughs> You know, it's not even subtext at this point. It's not, yeah. Um, but yeah. Zach, how do you feel about shipping? And <laughs> I mean, I, I really don't have a problem with it unless it's like the only time I really have a problem with it is when like age is an issue, which is a lot of like anime stuff. So. <laughs> I, I really like don't have a problem with it necessarily. Um, uh, My yeah. whole thing with in regard to this is that Harley Quinn has never been as interesting as when she's with Ivy and the same goes for Ivy. So why would you yeah. want to take away the most interesting versions of these characters? And it's not like, again, like, how many really good stories are there where Joker and Harley Quinn are a couple? Zero or zero? Absolutely zero. So, None. you know, why does why are people so upset about that ending? Because it was never that good to begin with. It was good. It's a it's a it's a perfect example of something that is a that is a fine origin story for somebody, but never needs to actually appear in the comic. It's, yeah. It's totally fine if that's how Harley Quinn as a character started, sure, go for it. We never need to see that. There's a lot of people who dress up like Harley and the Joker to go to the mall that would uh, <laughs> disagree with you, but... Uh, hang on, I'll put an asterisk there. We don't need to see that unless it's in a Suicide Squad sequel film <laughs> starring uh, Jared Leto as the Joker. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the Joker's trick, Jared Leto tweets. <laughs> well, his, his Joker's so fucked up. <laughs> well, while while we are talking about Miss Harley Quinn, let's talk about Harleen, the new Stepan Sayek Black Label book. Oh, God. Thankfully, another Harley Quinn book, finally. I mean, look... Everyone is saying this, so we might as well say it. Black Label's the best, guys. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Uh, we don't need this book, but Sayek's art is going to look beautiful. Um, should we talk about our our, uh, our bet from our from our text conversation or no? Ooh, boy. <laughs> well, you brought it up now. So. <laughs> well, Zach, you wanted to talk about it before, but I'm giving us a chance uh, well, to back out of it. I was just joking. Right, we're not going to talk about that. We're not talking about that. Uh, that, I mean, it's a, it should that, be the fact that we brought it up. Anyone who has listened to this podcast more than twice probably knows what we're talking about. So Yeah, we're talking about Patreon content. Patreon.com slash GC3Cast. <laughs> Kidding, that link doesn't exist yet. Um, 
No, we, we, when, we're... when will we see the Joker schlong? That's what yeah, the, that's yeah, what, exactly. that is the real question. No, okay, I have so many questions about what what the road for this book has been because, like, I don't I don't know if you guys follow. How do you pronounce his last name again? Sayek. Sayek. I don't know if you guys follow Sayek on Twitter. Um, I definitely don't. You. You maybe should. I don't know. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. It, it, it's a problematic follow, and not for anything he says, just no. for like what the images he posts. Right, right. Yeah. Which, like, I very much think that at one point there was a version of this book that was basically like one softcore. of his image books. Yeah, yeah. It was like a softcore book. Like one hundred percent. And then I think the the bat penis gate happened, and honestly. Part of me almost wonders if, like, the whole Justice League Odyssey snafu was actually there. Like, a cons- this is conspiratorial, but maybe it was related to this book and him having to like scrap everything he had done and restart on it. Um, That's interesting. I don't know. Or, I have no see, basis for that. But see, I would say the opposite is true, timing-wise, where they realized that he should do this book. And they're like, you gotta get started, buddy. You, you, you gotta get that going. That's possible. That's possible too. Yeah, uh, that's you know. possible too. Um, but but yeah, in in uh, with the state of Black Label being what it is, I really don't know what this book's gonna be. Um, uh, so so here here's my question in regards to that because I've been thinking about this a a fair amount too. Do you think the controversy over Bat Penis was that a it was not like we were not warned about it ahead of time. And if we were, it would have been less of a big deal or was the controversy because it's a penis or a little bit of both, or was it because it's Batman? Cause I could I, totally see this book still having lots of naked Harley with no consequence. I think it was because, um, Warner brothers maybe wasn't aware of it or somebody even higher than, some Warner Brothers executive, like an AT&T person or something. Uh, wasn't that pre-AT&T? Maybe it was. I don't know. When did that deal happen? I thought it was after that, but I, I could be totally wrong. I have no, I have no real context for that. Well, um, still, I guess like maybe maybe like a Warner's brother, a Warner Brothers person. Yeah. Um. Maybe Sylvester the cat didn't know what was happening. The Warner Brothers to... cartoon. <laughs> Just saying. Um. I'm just looking at these Sayek uh, drawings. Now. <laughs> yeah. Could become an ASMR podcast real quick. Oh, I man. I saw I saw a page from this book in on his Twitter after it was announced that I think like pretty much confirmed like what it, it is. Yeah, the, the it. Joker the Joker's sexy basically yeah. is stupid like, sexy it's Joker. The, it's the stupidest, sexiest Joker I've ever seen. So I found it. Here we go. I'm looking at some stupid, sexy stuff on. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I can't. I can't follow this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the the Joker is basically in a Calvin Klein ad from 1998 in, the, in these <laughs> images. <laughs> Twisted. Yeah. <laughs> Canis, a great <laughs> SNL fake <fit> commercial. That's <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, a, a top ten SNL fake commercial there. 
<laughs> What's the? Uh, why can't I think of it? I'm trying to think of the one where uh, Phil Hartman gets launched on a on a giant pyramid of bowls oh, of cereal. Colon blow. Colon blow. Yeah, yeah, of course. I I reference that in my day to day life so often, and no one ever knows what I'm talking about. So. Oh come on. Yeah. Um. All right. Someone get me off a of Sayek's page. We need to change the change right. the subject. Yeah, Harleen from from Stepan Sayek. The one thing I will say is I feel like if Black Label is truly going to be a a thing that is trying to push boundaries and do different types of books, and if they want like a more cheesecakey line to be a part of that, I think he's obviously like a good fit for this because he clearly can do that stuff pretty well. I just don't necessarily want to read that stuff, but it doesn't mean that I don't think that good can come out of that does that make any sense like if 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 they're going to commit to that but i the problem is i don't see them ever committing to that so i think you're gonna get a lot of books like this they're gonna be half measures and not really what anybody wants because masked as it were (laughs) yes exactly no no metaphoric sail will able to be fully blowing in the wind uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, uh, but so th- this is unfortunately, I think this is not going to please anybody unless they really commit to it, and they're not going to do that. So, all right, what's next on our hit list here? We got um, Gotham City Monsters, a- another six issue miniseries. Uh, this one spinning out of Event Leviathan, right? I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, because I, I'm sure we'll see more about it. But it's the the premise is essentially Shade is, and I don't remember what Shade stands for. But the you know Frankenstein used to be in it, and yeah. uh, that's no more. So yeah, and so this is like him going out on his own with his own team. Um, yeah, but it's it, Zach. You were excited about this team, so why don't you lay it on us? Who's on this team? Um, so we have first, first tell us the creative team, by the way. So the, the creative team is Steve Orlando with art by, um, Amon K. No help on. Okay. Thank you. I'm awful. Um, the team is Frankenstein, Andrew Bennett from I vampire Orca, lady Clayface and killer croc. So Lady Clayface is a remnant of the James Tynion tech run. Yes. Which is amazing. Very glad that she is Very back. Good. Uh as you just mentioned, I Vampire, one of the best one of the best standalone books of the New Fifty Two. The book that introduced Andrea Sorrentino to a lot of, of readers. Um, written by Josh Fialkoff. If you guys our listeners have not read I Vampire. I'm I'm actually gonna see if that's on DC Universe right now, um, because that's that's a book that is definitely worth like your summer, you know, picking up a new book. It's uh, very good. It's excellent, and uh, we got yep. The entire run is on DC Universe. Ooh. So, um, yeah. If you haven't read that, definitely go read that. Sorry, Zach. Who else is on the team? Uh, Orca. That was everyone. Orca, Orca was recently uh, Orca, seen yeah. in uh, 
Was that in Abnett's mm. Aquaman? Maybe I thought Orca was in Nightwing at one oh, point in Seely's Nightwing. Yeah. Because Orca was also in Scott Snyder's Black Mirror and Yes. I think it in Seely's Nightwing they built on that. Yeah. But Orca might have also been in I might just be confusing Orca with every other underwater character. I think King Shark was in Aquaman. Yes, yes, of course. That's what I was thinking of. And Killer Croc, we had... Was that also from Tech that he was a major character? Uh, he was in Suicide Squad. <laughs> no, before that. Or not before that, but along with that. I don't think he was in Tech. I may be wrong. I don't recall that. I feel like there was a recent decent Killer Croc story, and it wasn't in Suicide Squad. Um, I could be wrong. Regardless, it's a, it's a cool idea for a book. It is. Yeah, it's and man, I just like Orla I like Orlando's mind. I, I think he's going to take these characters and and make them really interesting. Yeah, I also um, I love that. He in the interview he gave to some shitty non multiversity site about this book, he uh, <laughs> he mentioned that like he sees this as a direct like in the line of Night of the Monsters, mm. which was at the very beginning of Rebirth. Mm -hmm. and it's just cool to see him carry that through all the way. Did you and the villain that's mentioned? Melmoth, do you know who that's from? Or who, who Melmoth is from? I don't. <sighs> his his first appearance was in the Seven Soldiers Clarion miniseries. Oh, wow. Hmm, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Once again, doing a little bit with uh, Morrison yes. stuff. Never a bad thing. No. Never. No. The, I was saying to the boys before we started recording, I'm a little bit bummed this is only six issues because I feel like it's just going to tell one story. It's going to be like a, a – and this this is not a knock on Orlando, but a six-issue miniseries is usually one decompressed story. Mm -hmm. And I want to see this team do more than just that. My counter to that would be that Orlando's five issues on Wonder Woman – were all standalone slash like two issue arcs. So not to say that he will do that on this, but he could. Uh, he certainly could. I just think the way you pitch these things is like, here's the story I want to tell with these characters. Yeah. To me, and this is something I really want DC to bring back, but they probably never will. To me, this would be a perfect backup for a different book. Mm. like six, eight pages a month of this story. Yeah. I wish they would do that more often. You know, what? I I generally don't like these kinds of things, but what you were saying, Brian, since this is tying into Event Leviathan, this seems like the kind of thing that would work really well in those anthology tie-ins that Marvel does for their events. Um you oh, know, where sure, they'll have yeah. like a six issue miniseries that has three different stories tying into yeah. 
the and there's usually like one story that runs in in all six issues and then the other you know the others are all kind of just one-offs um that that would actually be kind of cool but i i think this is of all of these uh six issue minis i think this is definitely the most promising yeah and also the one that unfortunately will probably have the least amount of ripple effect for the rest of the line. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When, yeah. when's the last time that anything, not since future's end has, uh, Frankenstein been relevant to the DC universe. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, I, man. I, I'm not. Future's end forever. Uh, oh, I, I think I'm about kidding. that issue with Frankenstein and amethyst when he dies, like, Maybe every other week. Really? Oh man, man, we need to we need to get this show to be our full time job so we can read shit like I Vampire <laughs> and go back and reread Future's End. I'd be very interested to read that not weekly now. Yeah, like to sit down in an afternoon and read that entire. Story. You know what we should actually do? We should go back and. Oh, I don't guess we were covering that in podcast form. That was when we were still doing the reviews. We should, instead of rereading Futures In, we should go back and read our coverage of Futures In <laughs> on the podcast. That's great content. <laughs> great content. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Inferior 5, which was a series that was announced. Gosh, I can tell you, we we had said that Jeff Lemire was the best writer of 2017. And I did an interview with him like right before Christmas of 2017, and he was talking about this book. So by the time it comes out, it'll be almost two years after it was announced. And this is a Keith Giffen, Jeff Lemire book where there's a main story that's written by Lemire and Giffen together and illustrated by Giffen, and then a backup story written and illustrated by Lemire. And it takes place in, I want to say... Jeff said it was like 1987 in the DC universe. Right after Invasion. Invasion or... Um... No, it was Invasion. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they it says right, yeah. the yeah. Invasion, so I assume. Yeah. Um, which and is... it involves the Dominator, so... Yeah. It's just, it's super cool. And then Very there's cool. a, there's the, bat, the, the backup in the issue, which is the Lemire written illustrated part is a peacemaker story. And <laughs> that's I don't know wild. I don't know if that's the ongoing story or if that's this issue story. Oh yeah. Regardless, um, it's a 12 issue series. It's super weird and super fun. And I can't wait to dig into this. I don't really have too much to say about it other than I just can't wait to read this. Uh, yeah, it looks like Lemire announced this in October of 2017. So coming up on, it will be almost two years by the time that it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be wild. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I I, I really like Giffen art, so I'm I'm excited for that. I feel like this is just the type of book that doesn't happen anymore. And so I'm I'm so happy that it's that it's actually going to be a thing. Yeah. 
don't have too much to say about this except for it's going to be pretty cool. Um, that brings us to uh, so both Dial H and Wonder Twins were Wonder Comics miniseries announced to be six issues. Both were expanded to twelve issue maxi series. And Zach, you said you want to take about this. Yeah, yeah. So we're um, I don't think we're talking about Wonder Twins we're this not. week. Wonder we're Twins not. number five, but um. When this was announced, I kind of groaned a little because I didn't think that based on the like last few issues of that book that it could really be stretched out to 12 issues. Um, but this week's issue changed my mind on that. Well, and, and I feel, yeah, I feel like we, they, Russell kind of, I, I wonder if originally it was like, planned as more of a kind of standalone one shots type of thing and then it started to have a overarching story and that's what led to it being 12 issues but it's interesting according to bendis he said this was totally based on sales and fan and fan response that like that the I, he never said the word sales but he said like basically the fans allowed this to happen interesting which is awesome well, yeah, that's a good book. I think our, our opinion of it has been we've never not thought it was good, but, you know, it's varied from very good to just OK, I think. But I, I agree with Zach. This last issue was um, not to tip our list, but it was quite good. <laughs> kind of a interesting twist on what is happening in Justice League. It's completely mm. different, but. Yeah. Yeah, I think overall this is good. I I think that uh, I I was I was taken when Bendis said that this was about fan reaction because I think so many times the fan reaction to these things just doesn't matter because we live in a world of pre-orders and sometimes people will be told like, you know, you are getting a you're getting six issues on this book and that's just no matter no matter what happens that's what's ha- you know, that's that's the assignment. So to see a book like literally double its length because fans were into it. I like that. I like what that says about how DC is listening to its fans. That said, I think if the, if these weren't Bendis babies, that may not be the case. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's else, a good point. Anything else to say about about these extensions? I know Vince no, for a Dial H boy. This has got to be a big, a uh, good thing for you too. Oh yeah, for sure. I love I love that book. I hope I hope that the um, artistic homage type stuff d- doesn't suffer by extending this out. I hope I hope uh, Quinones, uh, you know, gets to keep up with it. Um, but yeah, that's that's exciting. I'm a little bit surprised they didn't announce a season two of these books. Mm. And say like, oh, these books will return in January, and give the creative teams time to catch up, mm-hmm. which leads me to believe that maybe they were told like, hey, listen, write it as if it's two six issue arcs. We don't know if we're gonna get to the second one or not. You know what I mean? So that they're they're at least they weren't totally surprised by this coming back. Sure, but we'll see. All right, let's see what's next on the hit list here. Um. I can't believe we waited until now to talk about this. 
But Scott Snyder announced this week that starting in September's Justice League, we're getting the JSA baby. Mamma mia. How do we wait till now to say this? <laughs> I mean, I guess part of it is that they, they've been in Doomsday Clock, and so we knew that they were coming back in some capacity. But this is a essentially the Justice League is going back in time to get the Justice Society to help them with this Doom War stuff. So it's not like they're being brought into modern continuity right this very moment, but they're going to be showing up in a story in the modern age, if that makes sense. Yeah. What What do you guys think of this? Vince, you've been awful quiet tonight. Tell us what you think of this. Oh, it's just, it's about time, right? Um, it's a great Lemonhead song. God. Do you know that song? <laughs> I do, yeah. That's a great line. Um, have your people contact mine and keep your lawyer on the line. It's great. Yes, that's and that's what the Justice League is doing to Absolutely. The, the JSA here. So Absolutely. It's fitting. Um, no, this is going to, and I'm excited to have Snyder do this because I think, Snyder's a very interesting writer. He's like probably the most popular writer that DC has, I think. Don't you think? It depends what audience you're talking about. I think there's a a section of the audience that will say King, a section that will say Bendis, but he's certainly he's certainly among the most popular. Yeah. Um I think it's just a big deal to I I love how his um, Justice League story keeps expanding. And, you know, you kind of hoped that when they broke the source wall or whatever, uh, some of the, and I know that this probably story-wise doesn't have anything to do with the breaking of the source wall, like leading to the JSA coming back. But, but I, in that same way, it's expanding the storytelling of the entire DC universe coming out of Scott Snyder's story that he's doing. And I think that that's, that's really exciting. It's the kind of thing that I've hoped for from this run. Um, and I, I'll say this for the millionth time. I wish these kind of things could be surprises. Like I wish we could, I wish we could have seen the JSA in an issue of justice league before we knew about future plans for the team. You know what I mean? 100% agreed. I, I hate imagine our collective, like, you know, Vince is usually the first of us to read the comics every week because that's what he does. So I can just imagine the text like in all caps, like you guys have to read Justice League 25 right now or whatever it is, you know, yeah. and then all of our collective just gasps at this. Yeah, because even yeah, if it yeah. wasn't solicited for months ahead of time, you know, the Monday before there'd be a USA Today story about this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, so rarely in comics these days. Nowadays, what I when I text you guys, it's either like this book is really good or this is the most dog shit book I've ever read. You won't believe how bad it is. It's right. never like you won't believe what happens because we already believe because we already know. It's really sad that that that's where we are. But um, you know what's interesting? What's that? These characters have been off the board not counting Earth 2 for almost the entire time that Snyder has been writing for DC. Yeah. Yes, with the exception of, like, was it 
How many is like first Black year? Year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I did want to say is uh, if when you're listening to this, you can go on multiversitycomics.com right now and read an interview I did with Scott Snyder. And he talked about how this was very a very personal story for him. And I think that's kind of – I'm not meaning to poke fun at our friend Scott here. But I feel like every time I talk to him, every story he's writing is the most personal story he's ever written. But that's just because he put so much of himself in this. But he said that, I guess, his maternal grandfather was at Pearl Harbor. And so, like, these characters in this time frame mean a lot to him personally. And I think that's a really good sign for what we're going to get from Snyder here. Because I think when Snyder brings himself into these stories, they're usually pretty good. Yeah, and and I I am excited to see someone else with a really good track record for um, kind of lovingly handling these these characters. Um, take a crack at them um, as opposed to Johns. Nothing against Johns. Johns has like done incredible work with them, but it, it'll he's kind of had a monopoly on them. Yes, for uh, like two decades almost. He stopped writing JS, uh, JSA towards the end of that run, right? Mark, Mark Guggenheim was doing stuff yeah, there. He, yeah, he did like the last year's worth or so. Or maybe maybe it was like two years um, leading up to Flashpoint. Um, honestly, I think the last big use of those characters was Robinson and in that crossover that he did in Justice League. Um, Guggenheim was still writing the book after that, but it was very much on the periphery. Yeah. That was with, um, there was a lot of, uh, Obsidian in that. Yeah. Yeah. It was the shot. It was all with Eclipso and all that, man, more Patreon content. The the James Robinson Justice League, uh, run Zach and I love that run. So good. Vince (laughs) shit. Hmm. Um. All right. Next up, we get the the second issue of Batman Superman, which introduces us to the Shazam who laughs, which is is a terrible uh, collection of words. But it's like this is sort of what was been promised in this book, which is that there's gonna be the secret six, these six characters that were infected somewhat by the Batman who laughs. And we were given like that big spread of all those potential characters who would be infected. And Shazam was on there, so this isn't a total surprise. And I also think that there's probably decent in-story reasons for why. But I think all of us have Batman Who Laughs fatigue right now. Correct? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think all of us also are enjoying what's happening in the Shazam book. And so probably don't want to see him. That will not messed with, but that's not that's not a problem. I, I guarantee that that will not affect that book at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just hope there's a Shazam's trick Twitter account. <laughs> Shazam's Shazam's yeah, trick. Shazam's, Shazam's trick. trick. Every, every so, whenever you say Shazam, I always think of uh, Jism, and that's because <laughs> yes. you're because you're a fucked up asshole. Uh, yeah. No, I was gonna say uh, the, the the Shazam's trick Twitter. Every tweet would start with "Holy moly," and then it would be a drill tweet. 
holy moly, somebody is screaming, shut the fuck up outside my house. <laughs> exactly, yes. That's all it is. We can make that bot right now. It's just holy moly and then that. <laughs> holy moly, uh, Terry Shiva was murdered. <laughs> like, you know, just, just, you know, every... Uh... <laughs> And you know who would love that Twitter account so much? Walter Richardson. Walter Richardson, friend of the show. Yeah. I love that man. Yeah. yeah. Note to self, before Wednesday, set up Shazam's trick at Twitter. <laughs> uh, and it, everything would be signed either Shazam, Captain Marvel, Captain Shazam... Captain Thunder, you know, it would be <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It'd be great if every other tweet, he, if he said Shazam, then he would turn back into Billy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now we're getting complicated here. Um, but yeah. Um, God bless the Shazam tweet. Uh, this Shazam trick Twitter account that doesn't exist yet. Um, it okay, in our hearts. It, it does. And by the time people are listening to this, it will exist. Um, last but not least, in the Lois Lane number three solicit, there's a really interesting bit. Vince, you the one, did you point this out or Zach, did you point this out to us? Uh, I did. So why don't, you, why don't you tell us what's in there then? Do we want to? I mean, it's kinda, in the, I mean, I guess we've spoiled everything else. It's in the solicit. It is, it is. I just thought it was... Well, okay. There's there's two questions. <laughs> Actually, Zach. Actually, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. There are two questions as of Lois Lane number three, written importantly by Greg Rucka. Um, one is Vic Sage, and the other is Renee Montoya. So that's um, exciting because that is exciting. I I have been wondering which question it is that's running around in. Uh, Action comics. I I tend to think it's Vic Sage, but but now I don't know, and it's it's, it's really I tend to really think it's Renee Montoya. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, see, so, the whole time I've been wondering is if it's the third question. <laughs> We're There's not even joking. Questions? We're not even no, joking. yeah, future Black Label DC comic, the three questions. Explain that one, Zach. You're the you're the continuity nut who remembered this. So we were talking about this before the show when I brought it up, and um, we were reminiscing about the the Trinity of Sin question. The yes. book from we all know and love and definitely yeah. read. Yeah, yeah. Who um, was introduced? I think in the Trinity War free comic book day book. Yes, I think that's the first time we saw him. Um, who was never identified, and his storyline was never, to my knowledge, unless if it was in like the J.M. DeMatteis issues of Justice League Dark. I don't, I don't think it was ever resolved. No, I, I don't think it ever was, and I think because there was a Trinity of Sin Phantom Stranger book that happened too. Yeah, and, and a was, Pandora and, book. and a Trinity of Sin Pandora, and I think they kept saying like, you know, we're eventually going to get the Trinity of Sin uh, question book, <laughs> and then it just never <laughs> happened. So never happened. So Pandora and that question are off somewhere. No, Pandora and was ten... exploded in uh, Rebirth number one. 
Dang, you are right. I forgot about that. By a blue light. Like, it, literally, Dr. Manhattan snuffed her out of existence. Okay, I'm not even kidding. Like, I, I need Johns to explain that in Doomsday Clock oh, number 12. I need, never. I need to know who Pandora was. Good luck, buddy. Pandora was... I need um, to know. If I, if I ever get to talk to Jeff Johns about anything, I'm going to say Johns. He's going to say, how dare you speak to me? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, three questions. That's his follow-up to three Jokers. <laughs> You're not wrong. Maybe it's in three Jokers. That's how you beat three Jokers, is you have three questions. Whoa. Whoa, you just blew my fucking mind. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. What is a joke but a question with a punchline? Oh, Jesus. Did you just exactly. make that up or is that some uh I was just off the cuff. Zach, oh, wow. you're scaring you're scaring me right now. I am Joker's trick. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. I wish. For some reason everyone thinks I'm Joker's trick and I don't well, it's because you forgot to switch your alt. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. It's not me. I'm not that funny or talented to even know how to do that. We all know that's not true. We all know that's not true. All right, last thing. Uh, that, that that covers the, the solicits. Um, the last thing is um, that we, uh, we got the first teaser for the uh, Bat-Cat series coming from Tom King in January. And Vince, who's on the cover of this uh, first issue? Oh, who's on the, the teaser cover, rather? Uh, the Dang Phantasm. <laughs> Did you just... <laughs> Don't say a word, boys. Don't say a word. <laughs> Uh, um, it's uh, it's the phantasm. So we can look forward to a great uh, one-off character <laughs> being sullied. One of the best ones. One of the best ones. <sighs> Do you, I, my my thing is is I'm wondering if this is going to be an Arkham Knight situation where it turns out it's that it's not, not... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's. It's um, Abigail Arkham's sister, or whatever. Yeah, is. yeah. Because on it, like having Andrea Beaumont show up at the end of Tom King's Batman series makes, makes no, no sense. sense. Yeah. Not a, not any sense. So I don't know. I mean, has that stopped? No. Anyone before? It's definitely not stopped this this individual. <laughs> Oh, brother. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, not looking forward to that one, but... Yeah. It just, to me, it, it seems like... First of all, I feel like there are two bits of Batman media that are universally loved by everybody. And that's the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker and Batman Mask of the Phantasm. That's the, those those are like the golden examples of bat stories everybody can agree on that 
you really don't need any prior knowledge to go into. You can just pop those in and, you know, it's a it's a really good self-contained story. And there just seems to be no reason to bring that character into Tom King's Batman whatsoever. Yeah. All right, well, let, let's do this. Let's take a break, and we'll come back in just a minute with our reviews for this week's books. Hello, podcast listener. I'm Kevin. I'm Jess. And I'm Nick. And we are Make Mine Multiversity, a monthly podcast discussing all things Marvel Comics. Each month, we will be discussing Marvel news and looking at some of their major recent comic book or movie releases. We also look at older storylines, character histories, and Marvel's place in the overall comics market. We have a variety of perspectives. The recent Marvel fan. The jaded longtime reader. And the reader who's finally digging into Marvel's back catalog after a decade of avoidance. If you want to know what books made me cry this month. What books made me almost cry this month. And what books I wish would make me feel something. Check out Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. The fourth Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcast, or your podcatcher of choice. And make mine Marvel. Multiversity. Multiversity. And we're back with our reviews. Before we get to the individual issues, let's do our lists. Uh, the good list has The Flash, Wonder Twins, and Wonder Woman. The okay list has Batman and the Outsiders, Catwoman, Justice League Odyssey, and Red Hood Outlaw. Uh, the bad list has Detective Comics. Um, I'm just realizing we forgot to put the Batman Who Laughs on the list, but I presume that's the bad list as well. Uh, Jim Gordon does dress up in a Batman Beyond costume, so there's that. I didn't read it. Well, I'm putting it on the bad list. Uh, I don't know why I'm typing this into my computer as if anyone checks these records, you know. Um, but the Sandman Universe list has House of Whispers, and uh, that's it. So, uh, let's get to these books. We're going to start with Event Leviathan, number one, written by Brian Bendis, illustrated by Alex Maleev. Um, I think that all of us in our uh, constant text message, just kind of said, like, meh about this book. Mm. Does that does that accurately represent how we feel about it? Yeah. I'll yeah, say it's this. kind of a fart. Yeah, I'll say that I like some of the stuff that's being introduced here, or at least being hinted at here, but we don't really get anything from this book we didn't get from the stuff in Action Comics that was leading up to this. Yeah, and... and- did any of you get the feeling, did either of you feel like the characterization was off for almost all of these characters, just like a little bit? I will say I thought, not the characterization, I thought that Bruce and Lois interacted really weirdly. I guess that's what I mean. Like, I guess not the way that the characters interacted with each other was weird. Yeah, um, I felt like Lois and, and Bruce were both, like, awkward around each other and a little bit too comfortable around each other, too. I don't mm-hmm. know. It was it was an, it, it was certainly, I thought that they interacted in an odd manner, yes. Yeah, yeah, especially following the, um, the, the Leviathan one-shot and seeing them there. But I even thought that, like, Steve Trevor was kind of weird... Ollie was kind of weird. Um, and and I said I had a warm take about this book. Mm-hmm. I wonder if 
I wonder, I wonder how dependent the type of Bendis that we get is based on which artist he's working with and maybe be Did we just lose Zach? We lost Zach. His voice went staticky for a second and then he was gone. Leviathan got him. Leviathan got him. Motherfucking Leviathan. It says he's still on the call. Can you guys hear me? There you are. Now, yeah. That's weird. We lost you for I think a second my, there. I think my headset just died. I like plugged it in, but I think it died right when I was doing that, maybe. I don't know. Mm. What was the last thing you heard me say? That, would... the, that the story is dependent on the art. So yeah, maybe just re say that yeah, part. Yeah, re say that part. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, that Bendis's work is dependent on which artist he's working with. Um, so, you know, here he's working with Alex Maleev, who is a really familiar collaborator and he may be slipping into some old habits. Yeah. I, th I think that's a valid, I think that's a valid take on it. <clears throat> I also think my, my take is that, you know, when Bendis was at Marvel there was some stuff that he did that I liked quite a bit. Um, I didn't like his Avengers stuff at all, and I didn't like pretty much any of his events. And I think event Bendis is just not really suited to my taste because he writes them, he writes them in a very familiar and consistent way. And this number one issue was disappointing, but not surprising to me because... Think about how good the event Leviathan special was just what he, last week or two weeks ago, even his mm -hmm. parts of it, not just the parts by other writers. Yeah. Right, the the right. whole thing was just fantastic and action packed and very comic booky. And my criticism for Bendis's events is that they always are, are so decompressed in a way that attempts to manufacture uh, drama or weight or heft. And, I mean, I joke when I say this, but I feel like every one of his events begins with uh, a building or a city reduced to rubble and a bunch of heroes walking around that rubble talking about how little they know about what just happened. Um, I, I just think that that's a formula I've seen from Mendes before, and it doesn't make for an engaging story. Um. I already know how serious it is because you've you've told me in the lead up to this that Leviathan has destroyed all of these different uh, intelligence agencies around the DCU, right? I, I know it's serious because um, basically all the major superheroes are involved, you know? Um, you don't need to spend literally an entire issue of having these major DC characters walk around going, oh, I, what what just happened, you know? What that's, do we know? That's, yes. And they don't even, they don't even tell you what they know. They just kind of argue for a whole issue. It's remarkable how little this issue accomplishes, story-wise. Um, and that's just not good comic booking to me. Now, I, uh, I am willing to give Bendis another issue here. Because I've actually found there's a, a pattern, <clears throat> excuse me, in the last few years of DC events 
where all the lead up has been really interesting and then there's been a lot of like fart in the wind first issues and i wonder if that's a mandate from dc like we're going to be selling trades of this forever and the trade is not going to include any of the lead up stuff so you have to make the first issue as milk toast and explainy as possible so in 2026 when somebody buys the event leviathan graphic novel as they'll call it even though it's not a graphic novel that they'll that they can catch right up with what what was supposed to be happening sure i think there's probably some truth to that and i think it might even i may i may be off on this but if i recall um the last big event that bendis did at marvel was civil war 2 and i think that was even from the start marketed as issue 2 being the big issue Issue. Um, oh, really? It's almost like, yeah, I, I seem to remember that. I, and I, I may be wrong, but it was like issue one happened, then it was like, but issue two is the is the real deal. And I think issue two might have even been oversized. Um, I so maybe this is also just kind of a Benda style thing as well. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me, but it 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 always deflates me every time I see it happen. You know. This is monthly, isn't it, Event Leviathan? I think so, yeah. That's, I think, the bigger rub to me than a waste of a first issue, is when these events are monthly and you waste a first issue and then they got to wait a month to see anything happen when nothing happened before. You know, it's just it's, it's waiting an awful long time to get things rolling. Mm. Especially because this has been... The last like three or four months of action comics, plus we had the one shot, plus we have Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane starting, you know, so it's it seems like this should be a more ready made event. It should be starting with with a with a loud opening shot and getting everybody excited. Yeah, I agree. It it does look like okay. Event Leviathan 2 comes out July 10th. So that's... Oh, I guess that is that's about a month, a month away. Yeah. yeah, okay. We're just recording this a little bit later. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's not the best. And I mean, I also think that Maliv's art looks good, but it looks like Maliv's art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It It doesn't... Um, he's not given much to do either, you know, it's, right. it's so talky. Um, I like the design of the, the, the Odyssey at Argus, the new, the new building that they were debuting that yes. m- makes no architectural sense, but <laughs> right, looks extremely not. cool. Yeah. Imagine taking an elevator, like up to the top and then down, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else to add about this? I'm hoping for more next time. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Next up, we got Hawkman, number 13, written by Rob Venditti, illustrated by Will Conrad. Whether it's the good or the bad, Will Conrad, we'll get to in just a minute. Um, so I, I'm the one who said I want to talk about this issue a little bit this week, just because I thought this issue this issue is something really interesting, which is that we have been, you know, the big revelation of Venditti's book is that 
Hawkman has been reincarnated over time and space. It was always just kind of on Earth before this, right? And so this opens up a whole new set of possibilities for for his reincarnations. What this did, though, was this showed that there was another period of time, much like the last, you know, hundred years or thousand years on Earth, whatever it's been, where he was on one planet reincarnating all the time. And I wonder if this is setting up the idea that on every planet there's something he has to do like what he did here. Like, like this is a very quantum leap thing, right? Where he he's being put someplace to do a certain task, and what's and, and once he does that task, he can then move on. Did you guys get that vibe at all, or no? I didn't, but honestly, I didn't think about it very much either. I think that you were probably on to something. Yeah, that fits with his because isn't the whole thing that he has to save as many people as he killed as a Deathbringer before yes. before he can rest or whatever before he can fi- make that final leap home? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so I think that fits exactly with with what we see here, and I think Venditti is very smart to just drop us in and not do too much explaining of that, because I think he trusts us to just go along with it or, or understand that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I think the moral at the center of this story is pretty simplistic, but that doesn't mean it's not good. Um, and so, yeah, I, I thought I'd like, this was a really sweet, it was a very sweet issue. I think. I thought it accomplished what it set out to pretty well. Zach, what'd you think? I I really didn't. This issue was fine. It it had a nice a, a nice little touching story. Um, war is bad. <laughs> I like that one of the other characters was a a Shiera. Yep. Um, yeah. Knockoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I guess you know I don't think a ton happened in this issue that will necessarily play into future issues, but I thought that it could be the exact opposite of that, and this could be sort of the glyph for the rest of the series. Mm. So that's all. I thought it was it was worth talking about for a second. And since we weren't doing micros this week, I thought we should talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was this the good Will Conrad? <laughs> well, one thing I want to point out is... Um, He's colored in this issue by a different colorist than normally handles Will Conrad's art, I think. Mm-hmm. And well, I think the art is still, it's a little stiff and it's a little like overly detailed to the, to the point of like uncanny Valley at times. Um, the brighter color palette, I think usually Conrad's art gets bogged down a little bit in some muddy grays and browns and just too many dark colors. I think at least this was a little bit of a brighter palette that made the art go down better this time around. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think this was the this is the okay Will Conrad. And I would mention the colorist, but I don't have it 
in front of me right now. So uh, I do Skipper, I think. Let me see. Do, 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 do. Jer- Jeremiah. Yep, Jeremiah Skipper. Skipper. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Supergirl number 31, written by Mark Andreco, illustrated by Kevin McGuire and Eduardo Pensica. Should we talk about this in conjunction with Superman or separately? I think we should. They're very closely yeah. connected. So this, we're also talking about Superman number 12, written by Bendis, illustrated by Ivan Reyes. Um, so what did you guys think? So, so first of all, there are sort of two things going on here. We see the same story from sort of two different perspectives. We get that John and Kara are going off to do to to try and take down Rogelzar while Clark or Cal and uh and Jorel are gonna be going after uh the circle. No, do I have that reversed? Uh I think I had that reversed. Yeah, um, Kara and John are going after the Circle. Yes. Or specifically Gandalo. Yes. Um, but I think overall, this it, these issues did a couple of things that I, I wanted to talk about. But first, I've done a lot of this talking. Vince, what do you think of these issues? Uh, well, first of all, I don't like when comics do this, I should say, <laughs> right off the bat. Um I really don't like when two comics mirror each other so much to the point where I like when two comics converge and maybe you see the same like single scene in multiple comics as sort of like a like the hug. Like if you imagine that these two books, the only scene that they shared was that big group hug, Mm -hmm. but they they figured out a way to be a little more divergent in other places. Um that would have been a really great moment across both comics. I think there's like a half dozen scenes in each of these comics that are essentially shared. They're not like one-to-one, but they're getting basically the same points across. Yes. Before the characters go their separate ways. And that to me is such a, that's taking the idea of a shared universe and things happening, you know, in a similar timeline a bit too far for me. (laughs) I'm probably like, in a beggars can't be choosers situation because I know that our other criticism is like these comics don't feel like they're taking place in the same universe at all, you know, and we don't like that, but, but this is too much. The, the actual stories themselves, I I'm quite invested in, I think I'm legitimately interested in the various versions of Krypton's history that, Kal-El is being asked to process mm-hmm. throughout this. And I like the idea that, you know, he's skeptical of Jor-El, but of course he doesn't want to agree with General Zod. And I think this is not a situ. I think this is not a situation where Bendis is contriving conflict. I think the conflict feels very organic and essential to superman's origin as we know it in a way that i think is is it comes across as legitimate it comes across as something superman would honestly be torn about versus we just need kal-el to feel torn about it because of the drama of storytelling you know Mm -hmm. 
So in that way, I think it's good. I just wish they would have found a way to to double up a little less often across these two issues. I feel like that a lot of what you just said could have been solved by an editorial box on the first page of Supergirl that said, like, make sure to read this after Superman number 12 or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Instead of having to tell the story twice to just, like, let readers know which one to read first. Or to do this in a book like the event Leviathan one shot Mm -hmm. where you can tell the story across, you know, both characters. I, uh, I, this, this made me think of a thing that is also involving Supergirl and a thing that they've done that is very similar to this. Do you guys remember when Supergirl became a red lantern and they did that issue that was red lantern it was an issue of red lantern and an issue of supergirl together yes and it was like one was upside down yeah you had to like back you you flip the book you flipped the book and read it the other way around yeah um Mm -hmm. that i feel like they could have done something like that for this um because yeah i i kind of agree with you vince i don't think it bothered me as much because i i feel like you, you, you're right. There were about like a half dozen shared moments that were kind of like the, the anchors that, that kind of like paced the story. But then, you know, the Superman book clearly focuses on what Clark is doing and the Zod stuff and the Jarrell stuff. And then the, the Kara stuff focuses more on her part in the fight and then her talking to John. Um, I, I think there's no way of proving this, I guess, but I read the Superman book first and I felt like that made the Supergirl book suffer a little bit more for it. But if I had read it the other way around, I did read it the other way around. And did you feel that Superman suffered? I just felt like, I guess it's the way I put it. I just felt like I know this already. I know this already. Uh, There were a bunch of times where I just felt like, come on, let's move on. We're aware of what's happening here. Right. Right. Um, that said, I thought that these, like the story that these two issues told was awesome. Like just like Vince said, I'm invested in this. Um, I thought the stuff with Clark and Zod was just like a plus exactly what I've been wanting from this. That was the Um, best sequence of the two books. If you ask me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the fact that it was seated or, or kind of like foreshadowed with that weird, really really well laid out page it's a page um well it won't tell me what page it is in our pdf right now but it's um in superman where it's it's six panels within a panel in the middle um with kind of clark and zod facing off on each other and then on the bottom there's like three panels in a row that are the same image but the middle one is them kind of like flashing out yes or like fading out and then it's Okay, that was issue. I mean, that was page eleven. No, page ten. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And then, like later in the book, we get the explanation of what happened there. We get their conversation, and it's it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was good stuff in the Supergirl book too. Um, always good to see Kevin McGuire's art. Um, I feel yep. like Kara got a lot of good moments against. Czar and um yeah it was all good can i say can i say something that's gonna that's gonna trip zach's trigger but probably not yours brian sure uh jonathan kent has now learned the power of instant transmission oh my gosh you're right 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a Dragon Ball thing, Brian. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I thought I thought that that was explained. I liked how in in Superman, like Jor El goes into this very in depth explanation about what it is and how it works, and then in Supergirl, John's just like. Uh, yeah, my grandpa gave me this thing, and this is what it does. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. To me, that's like Bendis versus Andrako in one pa- in one panel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no. So, I don't know how much we got in Rebirth of Kara and John together, and so I felt like, in some ways, the sort of family reunion thing felt like something that should have it feels like it should have been more meaningful than it was because i just don't think we got all that much of them together before this but i think it worked really well even without the uh even without you know the the actual build up to it there's enough implied family love and history there that it doesn't really matter that we haven't seen too much of them interact as a family beforehand yeah um i said i loved the zod kal-el um interaction in in whatever they call that like uh super time or whatever it's called um also just a very dragon ball thing (laughs) between this and justice league uh superman is goku (laughs) he is If Superman is Goku, then Zod is Vegeta, <laughs> John is Gohan, Lois is Bulma. Oh, not Bulma. Sorry, Chi-Chi. Um, who's Piccolo? Martian Manhunter? <laughs> Batman's Piccolo. Come on. Batman is Piccolo. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Batman is Piccolo. Okay, okay. Um <laughs> Does that mean that uh, Jimmy Jimmy is is um Krillin? <laughs> that is true. That is true. Does that mean a Damien is Dende? I know that's not Piccolo's son, but it's the little Piccolo. It's a little Namekian. Maybe. <laughs> oh man. The we difference could... between me and Vince is that I'm sitting here letting you guys have fun. Whereas if we were referencing lost characters, Vince would be sighing loudly into the microphone. And, uh, guys, can we get over this? Come on. Blah, blah. But I'm letting you boys have your fun right now. And I'm happy for you. I am not owned. So Rogalzar Rogel, is Broly then. Yes. Yeah. Uh... I guess Lex is Frieza. <laughs> Who's Mr. Satan? Oh. You just say Satan. Uh, Bibbo. <laughs> uh, but I guess I guess it, it would actually be like Sam Lane. Yeah, I get. Yeah, te- yeah. Technically, that. No, wait, no, that's, she's, she's, no, the, the Ox, Mr. Satan is Fidel's, yeah, Ox King is, Ox, Ox King, King is, is Sam, Lane. Sam Lane, which works out better, okay, yeah, yeah, so no, yeah, my point still stands, um, okay, so that means that, um, John will have to marry the daughter of Bibbo, okay, I'm getting <laughs> confused now, uh, 
Does that make Barry Allen uh, Tien? I could get behind that. Yeah. Who is Yamcha, though? Hal. Hal is Yamcha. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. gosh. Who is, okay. Who's Oolong? Um. <sighs> Grant Morrison is Master Roshi. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Uh, okay, that works. <laughs> what else do I want to say? We're, we're done, Brian. We're I done. know, I know. I was, I was giving you some residual time there in case you popped back up and said, you know, so-and-so is so-and-so. <laughs> um, I, um, I felt like all the character beats in this were very natural even like clark not wanting to let john go with Kara, i thought that was handled really well it wasn't melodramatic but it was it was enough of sort of what we've come to know for both of those characters in terms of how much they would resist or you know want to go for that i loved the interaction the the scene i think it's in superman where superman where clark sees john and crypto reconnect and like he says like i'm so thankful i got to see this moment i feel like that's a very clark thing um yeah i wish these two issues weren't so repetitive but i think that that it's done for people who are are reading one but not the other although it's crazy to me that there are people who would be reading supergirl and not superman but i I suppose those people exist you know i also i sometimes forget that we live in this gilded palace of review copies where we get to read everything where people are, are picking with their pocketbooks, you know, all the time. And so I guess this is probably more, more necessary than maybe we give it credit for. Mm. Um, anything else to say? I'm good. No. Yeah, I'm good too. It's amazing that for the first year of Bendis's run or whatever, how long it's been, uh, six months, eight months, whatever it is, um, we were really more into his action comic stuff than his Superman stuff. But once Event Le- now that Event Leviathan's actually started this week, we've been down on the stuff that was started in action and, and good with the Superman stuff. <laughs> Took one issue. I've- I think it's all been pretty good with just a drop of Bendis bullshit here and there. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting in like a year to look at what Bendis has done. Cause I think then you'll start to see if certain things were more Marvel problems than Bendis problems, but we pinned them on Bendis cause he was an easy target. Or if you're going to see certain patterns repeat themselves. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, do we have the books for next week pulled up yet? I got them. Go for it, Vinci. American Carnage, Aquaman, Batman, uh, Goddess Mode, Justice League, Lucifer, Nightwing 61, starring Rick Grayson. Uh, Rick Grayson. <laughs> Pearl. Uh, the somewhat controversial Superman Year One and Teen Titans. Uh, why is Superman Year One controversial? 
Uh, there's just, you know, have, have you seen any stuff on Twitter about that? I have not. I actually have a copy of it uh, that DC sent over, a hard copy. I'm going to try and read tonight, maybe before bed. Um, I presume there's just super dick in it, right? <laughs> no, but... No. But it's it's black label in the way that you would think. Let's just say Frank Miller returns to some very... Uh... <laughs> Islamophobic... <laughs> No, 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 some, some other themes that he's quite familiar and comfortable with. Okay. All right. We'll see about that. Uh, Sorry. Finish off the list there. That's it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to have to talk about that next time. Yep. And we'll see what else. It'll probably be, it'll probably be that Batman justice league. I would guess. Those will be three that we we don't want to shit on Batman all the time, but then like you look at the other books that come out and you're like, well, I, it's not really much to talk about with those, you know? Right. There's always something to talk about with Batman. For yes, sure. yeah. exactly. Well, until then, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. I am at Wilker Fox. Despite what he says all the time, Vince is at Joker's underscore trick. I'm not the Joker's trick. I, I want everybody to understand that there's no way that I figured out how to do that and amass 3,200 followers. I'm going to be really <laughs> upset if it is you and you didn't tell us. It's not. Me. I might have to quit. I might have to quit the podcast. I would quit the podcast. Jesus Christ. Well, we don't have to worry about that because Joker's trick is not me. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a very <laughs> fun and smart. I think he's, I think he's very handsome and very successful, <laughs> and uh, is a real a real prince to be around. But it's not me. It is not me. Okay, here's here here. Okay, I'm gonna submit proof for your approval that I'm not the Joker's trick. Okay, and you tell me whether it's good enough or not. Okay, Drill actually follows joker's trick now if i was responsible for something that drill himself followed you know i wouldn't shut up about that unless you were actually drill too <laughs> god damn it <laughs> oh man <laughs> now you're just that's offensive that you would say that no I, that's the highest compliment i can pay someone it's offensive to drill uh, that's probably true <laughs> All right, folks. Until next time, enjoy and we'll see you soon. Exterior space, border of burn, lighting day. Joker, I'm going to hell. <laughs> Parentheses, Joker screams as he goes to die. Joker, fuck, fuck. Parentheses, Joker screams in the vacuum of space. Ha <laughs> <laughs>